episode 61 i'm sorry this is not 61 this is 62 welcome to episode 62 of the black in fashion podcast today is gonna be a very very special episode i'm actually interviewing my grandmother she is the one that taught me how to sew when i was a little girl she is the one that helped me pay for my education for design school she is the v in my collieva team so welcome granny i'm very excited about having you on here well, I, I'm happy that you called and I can do something for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. So what I want uh, to do is just uh, to start off by talking just like a little bit about like your background, um, where you're from and, you know, how you actually learned how to sew. Well, I'm from a place called Angola, Mississippi. Uh, my background is my grandmother could sew and she could just look at whatever somebody had on and she could just make it so i was wearing designers originals before i know what a designer original was that's amazing and then she uh at what age did she kind of start to teach you those skills well i i would always be around because I had to thread her needle. Okay. She had got to, you know, she was old, getting older. Mm -hmm. And she said, girl, you got to thread my needle. <laughs> if I didn't just thread the needle, I would thread the sewing machine and stuff like that for her. So I couldn't go too far because she'd ask me, come back, Verde, I need you to do this. <laughs> You're talking about Grandma Delta, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, see, I didn't ever call her my grandmama. She was my mama. Nice. So I just called her mama like everybody else called her mama. I, I didn't realize that uh, she was my grandmother until I got to the point where I could have a grandmother. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I had a grandmother all the time. But she was just my mother. So why do you feel like, well, why didn't you notice? Where was your mom? Oh, my mother was having fun or doing her life someplace else. Gotcha. And my daddy was doing the same thing also. So uh, grandmama was home. Grandmother was uh, who taught me how to be a lady how I should dress, how I should act, and everything. So I, I don't know what my mama would have taught me because she was not there. Gotcha. But I don't remember what she looked like until I was at least 10. Gotcha. And then you did eventually move to Chicago. How old were you when you moved to Chicago? I was 16. Okay. I came to visit for the summer. It was a summer vacation for me. Mm -hmm. I arrived July 18, 1960. Okay. On my uncle's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after I got here, I found out later I couldn't go back home because I'm so useful and so handy and I know how to do so many things. You are my child. <laughs> 
not my mama's child. So I need your help. So she had three, four other children younger than me that I had proved that I could take care of, cook for, wash for, clean for. And that was it. That was my life starting in Chicago. So when you were 16, you didn't actually like go to school like you had to yeah. wash the kids. I had to wash the kids. I had to take them to the clinic. I had to clean up from front room to the back room, from front room to the back. And she had three big bedrooms, mm -hmm. a former dining room and a living room. And on Saturday was my day to start in the living room, washing the floor, waxing the floor, going to the dining room, doing the same thing, then go back and hit up all the furniture and make sure it was waxing shine. So your younger brothers and sister, they were able to go to school, but you wasn't? Oh, I went to school. Oh, you did? Okay. But I had to make sure that their clothes was washed and ironed and that was for the whole week each child but my sister wasn't able to go to school she was only six months old when i arrived gotcha but i had three brothers but only two was going to school one was maybe about fourth grade another one was just starting the school gotcha. like kindergarten or something like that did you want to go back to Mississippi or were you okay with being in Chicago? I would have loved to go back to Mississippi, but I still would. I, I was the last one home. Hmm. All the rest of the kids had grown up, got married and stuff like that. And nobody was home but me and mom. Okay. And doing nothing was good. <laughs> doing nothing was great. Uh-huh. But since I had, I've been working since I was nine years old doing different things. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have to go to the field, you have to go to the garden and you got to hold, pull the grass out and stuff like that from uh, uh, vegetables. Mm -hmm. You knew how to do all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. And then also when I was uh, seven or eight, I used to make go make the groceries. You went grocery shopping by yourself at seven and eight? I went grocery shopping by myself with a list oh, wow. that she had written. And my uncle would take me to the store and he sat outside and wait till I got everything together. And I would make the groceries for a whole month. Oh, wow. And I, I would ask, I did ask her though, why did she send me when she had two daughters, Kylie Jean and Joyce, mm -hmm. or send Uncle June to the store? Mm -hmm. She's a murderer. Nobody brings me change back. Oh, so she trusted you. I guess. Yeah. I, I think that. She wanted me to learn the budgeting process mm -hmm. because she knew I was going to be using the budget the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's what I think. Yeah, I think it's because she trusted you too, and she ain't trusting to bring back her change or her money. <laughs> well, she didn't. She didn't trust anybody. Yeah. 
And besides, she said, I knew how to talk to people. Oh, you do. I and I, you know, there has always been something that white people this and white people that. Mm -hmm. But since I was the person that went to make groceries and stuff, white people treated me differently. You know, they never said anything disrespectful, never act like I was a kid. When I went in the store and I told them I had a list and this is what was on the list and we wasn't taking anything else except what was on the list, <laughs> they listened to me. <laughs> Good. Oh, okay. So did you guys, like, well, when you and your granny, did you guys sew together and do, like, little projects together? Like, is that also where you learn how to crochet as well? Uh, no, I didn't learn how to crochet until much later. Okay. She wasn't into crocheting too much. Okay. She would be into, uh, I don't know what you would call it. She would like to do it, put pretty little designs on pillowcases. Embroidery? Embroidery. That's what she liked to do. Gotcha. And they did a lot of quilting. Okay. Then. Where she and three or four other ladies would put together the quilt and then they would hang it up in top of the house. Oh. In top of the house, yeah. Okay. And when they got ready to sew on it, they brought it down and they sewed on it. When they got finished, they put it back up in the ceiling again. Interesting. Because we didn't have no place to lay it down where nobody would mess with it or knock it down or whatever they... So the ceiling was like a storage area? No, the ceiling wasn't a storage area. That's just where they rolled their quilt up and put their quilt up there oh, until wow. they got ready to work on it. Okay. And see, what they did was they had a quilting party. Mm-hmm. And they would drink coffee, drink tea, and quilt. Gotcha. For two or three hours. And when they got finished, the other ladies went home. But the quilt was back in the ceiling until the next time. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So tell me um, about your transition um, into Chicago. You know, like how you, you know, you know, met your husband. How, you know, when you started to have children. Tell me what your life was like when that part of your life got started. Well, I met my husband in Mississippi. Oh. But he went to, uh, he went to Chicago two or th uh, two years earlier. And we communicate through letter. Okay. And after I came to Chicago, he would come over to see me, but I... I didn't know no place to go, and I was afraid. I, I heard so many bad things about Chicago. The only thing in Chicago I ever did was, before I got married, was go to the the store, make groceries, go to the laundromat. That, that was my thing besides going to school. Joe would take me in the car in the morning, and i catch the bus back home. Gotcha. But uh, it was no big old transition. It was over the years. I, I married 
my husband in 62. The year my mother was born. Huh? You married him the year my mom was born? Yeah. I, me and him got married. And then uh, I had Kelly. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was the kind of person that I like to do different things. So I would go to the school and volunteer. Mm -hmm. uh, they thought I was a teacher at school. I was there so often. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd volunteer and I'd go on different school trips with <clears throat> not only my children, but other children. Because they needed help to supervise. So when you, like, was during that time, were you making clothes for, like, my mom um, and my uncle? Like, were you and your husband? Well, I put it this way. Uh, during the time that I was married, my husband bought me a sewing machine. Okay. And... I would make little, you know, make sure that everything was, you know, like it was a rip or something. Mm -hmm. I was just sewing things together then. I was not um, putting together dresses or anything like that. But uh, if I wanted to make something, what I do was I would go to the fabric store mm -hmm. and look at the patterns. And if I seen a pattern that that I could do, I thought I could do, that's the way I learned how to sew is by doing. Mm -hmm. And I put it together. The first thing I ever made was an apron. Nice. Just like for you to wear around the kitchen? Uh, I made it with three pockets. Oh. I wanted to have pockets in front of my apron. I don't know what. I had seen some aprons with three pockets. Mm -hmm. You know, you just tie it in the back. And you had the pockets to put whatever in that you needed to put in. Gotcha. And I had safety pins in mine. Because way back then, when you had a diaper, uh, you had to put the pan, you had to put it pinning on them. Right. I remember. With a safety pin. And we didn't have no pampers or anything like that. So you washed every day. Mm -hmm. Every day at the end of the day, you washed out all the diapers you used that day. And you washed out all the clothes you used that day for the baby or for the child. And if you had two, you do it for the both of them on your hand. If you didn't have a washing machine or dryer. Okay. And then when they got a little big, I started making things for them. Blue jeans things. They like blue jeans. Is that your favorite fabric to work with? What's your favorite fabric to work yeah, with? It was, the, the favorite, cotton is, is, is favorite. Okay. But I've worked with linen. I've worked with silk. I don't work with, uh, I guess it that see-through fabric. Organza. Organza. Mesh. Yeah. Okay. And way back then, they had something called seersucker. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and then they had eyelet mm -hmm. fabric that you could buy. But, you know, all of these things like that, you have to have a slip. Underneath A that. petticoat or whatever underneath because the eyelet 
had holes in it. So uh, you would definitely have to put something under it. Gotcha. Would you okay, that, that's part of it. Okay. <laughs> would you say that is, is is that what you wanted to do? Did you want to like be a designer? Like what were your uh career goals? Uh I'm gonna tell you, the only thing that I had seen about career goals was I know I didn't want to be in the field all my life. Mm-hmm. And if I had been in Mississippi and married somebody, that's exactly where I would have been. So as the time passed, I was sort of glad I had gone to Chicago and not came back. Because it was easier to get a job. Mm -hmm. You get a job today, you working tomorrow. Uh, And my career goes... I done did just about everything there is. I've done hair. I've worked as a cashier. I've worked as a waitress. I have worked in a laundry. Oh, I can't even remember all the things I have not done. (laughs) You've done so much. I've done so much other things. And then uh, I used to go over to Mr. Perkins had a beauty shop. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, if I didn't know to, how to do something, I'd go over and watch him. Mm-hmm. And then I know exactly how to do it. Makes sense. So, so me, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, tell me, because you always, it's something that you always say to me, and so I just want you to elaborate on it, like for the people. You always say that I am living your life. What do you mean when you say that? I mean that uh, I didn't get a chance to go to school or go to college or anything like that. But I made sure you got there. Right. That's how come I said, uh, you are living my best life. Right. Because if I could do it, there's nothing wrong with telling somebody else or helping somebody else that want to go that same way. You're right. You helped a lot of people. I remember, like, everybody living with us when I I I remember having, you know, I remember when my uncle stayed with us. I remember when cousins have stayed with us. I remember when, you know, you, you guys had foster kids. I remember in the family live with me at one time or another. Yeah, I know. You was always the stable one. <laughs> well, it is. I don't think I was stable. It's just that I was always there. And I was willing to help. And you was always, you also was one of the people in our family who never suffered from a drug addiction out of your brothers and sisters and the people around us. Well, that is true. But I think it's only because of where I drew the line and how far I would go. Mm-hmm. It seems like to me in our family, people drink when they drink, they drink too much. When they do this, they do it too much. And I think I have the potential to be all the things that all of them are. But there's a point that you say, okay, I'm going to have a drink. If you go have one drink, you don't go there and just try to get drunk. That's the way I always started. You have a drink and 
when you get through having your drink, you done. Right. I think but that's I one would, of my biggest areas of opportunity. Sometimes I drink a lot and I um maybe drink too much, but I know it's something that I have to slow down on myself, like um from drinking because I know I'm definitely one of those people who like to have a cocktail and have another cocktail, and I was just like, ooh, maybe you gotta slow down. So I know for myself that I need to do that. I definitely something in our family line that we tend to just go like overboard when not necessary, you know. Okay, then I noticed that had been a lot in our family that they drank a little too much. But me, I always wanted to have my head together. So you can't say I said it when I, I, I got all my faculties. But a lot of people in my family do things because they drunk. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow they don't want to remember it. Might have cussed me out. <laughs> but... I let that go too. A whole lot of them have said a lot of bad things to hurt my feelings, but uh, you, a lot of times you just can't hold people accountable for everything, but you tell them. I didn't like what you said, and if you do it again, then I know what to do for you. But since I'm always so frank and right up front with everything I do, uh, people don't usually say things to me like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I have told them, uh, you know, I'm I'm just who I am. Right. And I forgive quite quickly. Yeah, I'm the same when it comes to that. I feel because like... Oh, go ahead, Gurney. You can hold gorgeous and it, it, it won't hurt hurt that person you holding it against it's the only person it's gonna hurt is you this is true now why should i hurt me because i'm mad at you I, it don't make sense to me it don't so i said well okay then that happened we move on I definitely feel like I got that from you, like, as far as, like, not holding grudges and, you know, being able to move forward, you know, after somebody, you know, might hurt me or do something bad to me. Like, I'm definitely one of those people who, like, let things go, and I definitely think I got that from you. You're my, we're Capricorn sisters. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, holding holding things inside just hurts you. And I don't want nobody to bring me a problem if I can't solve it. If you got a problem, you're supposed to figure out what your problem is and how you're going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But if you bring it and give it to me, now I got to worry about your problem and I have no way at all to help you solve it. True indeed. True. So that's how come Granny keeps a lot of stuff to herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because there is no point in giving it up because nobody can fix it. Eventually, it'll get fixed. You're right. You are absolutely right. Would you say? Um, I know. I feel like I feel like you definitely bent over backwards for me. You know, to make sure I was able to get like the education that is needed. Um, you know, for me to be like successful. Do you? Do you really think it's important? You know, when somebody wants to design and so on stuff like that, that they must go to school, or do you think it's okay to maybe start your own business and do things just from you know being self-taught because you were you were self-taught. Well, and, and 
uh, going into your own business, that's good too, but I'm a little skittish about that one. Mm -hmm. I did go into my own business at one point in time, uh, but I had gotten laid off from work. Mm -hmm. And I went into my own business, but to say what I chose was doing the area where they had the Cabbage Patch Dolls. Mm-hmm. And I made Cabbage Patch Dolls. I sold every one I made, but I was constantly putting back the money into doing, making them. So I really didn't make anything that much. You don't feel like you made like a good profit from trying to do... Well, I made enough to buy more fabric, buy more bedding, buy more materials and stuff like that. But it just was the wrong particular thing that I had chosen. Gotcha. You know, if if I had chose something different, I might have would have did really good on it. And I still have the business now. Right. But uh, my thought was, when I got out there and got the job, I was looking for insurance. I was looking for, you know, in case you get sick, right. get some insurance. And I wanted to get some insurance also that if, I, if anything happened to me, that I would be able to be buried without people taking up uh well, it wasn't no fund me page then. Or, yeah, they do have those nowadays. <laughs> yeah, nowadays they got the fund me page. But even even myself now, I wanted to have, in case I had to be off, you know, I could pay, get paid for so many days off. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I was looking for because Sam was sick for quite some time there. He had gotten hit by a car. And I had to judge my job based on how much I needed the medical. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, that's how come I really didn't really seek business for myself because I wanted the job to give me all that insurance and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that would help me because he had he went from the time he was seven till he was thirteen. That's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time. He had to go to therapy so many days a week. And he has to go to rehabilitation so many days a week. Mm-hmm. And I wanted him to have what he, he needed. And that was the only way that I could see forward to, to make sure he got what he needed so he would be okay. Right. I get that. That's understandable. Yeah, well, since he had nobody but me, I'm the only person that had to make that choice. And I started on one job in 77, and that job took me all the way to 86. And I started on the next job in 86. And it took me all the way up to 2001. Oh, wow. That's a long time, Granny. <laughs> uh-huh. Then I got a job in 2001, and that took me up till I made 67. 
And that's when I retired. How has retirement been treating you? Oh, well, I put it like this. Retirement is treating me real good. <laughs> real good. At, at the very beginning, I didn't think I was going to like it. Because I always was doing something, had some place to go, had somebody to be with. But now that I'm 76, you don't you won't know how lazy your granny done got to be. <laughs> You're not lazy, granny. Oh yes, I am, huh? You are I not. get up and go from one room to the other one and just to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I make me something to eat or choose to get me something to eat. And then I go sit down some more. And since the building, we can't go exercise or anything. Uh, they shut everything down for the corona. Can't nobody go in the exercise room or anything like that. And you can't go to a health club or any place. So I'm sitting around here just getting fat. <laughs> You're not fat, Granny. Have you have you done any sewing or any like little projects while you you know during this time or do like just like the whole retirement? Do you find yourself breaking out the sewing machine? Oh, my sewing machine! I done took it out of the closet. Mm -hmm. But no, I haven't done a thing, Lenise. <laughs> Not a thing. Next time I come home, we're gonna do some stuff. Um, I remember the time where I was making all those prom dresses, and I came home and I put you to work. You were so oh, helpful, yeah, so helpful for me that weekend. We was sewing hems and doing all type of stuff. I was so overwhelmed, and you was the only person to have my back because <laughs> I'm just like I cannot do all this by myself. You know, I definitely bit off more than I could chew with those prom dresses and trying to meet everyone's deadline, which is another reason why I shifted my business away from the customer apparel because it was just too much for me well when you come in with eight and nine dresses that's a bit much yeah. now if you had a head one or two that would have been okay overly ambitious i feel like i wasted a lot of my time my money my energy being overly ambitious and which is what i try to you know with my consultant business i try to like you know eliminate people from doing that i'm like you don't have to rush you don't have to overwhelm yourself you don't have to waste money because i feel like i did a lot of that in the beginning and i got my poor grandma trying to hand sew hymns for me in one day it was just so much and i felt so bad when i got back to new york and i was like i can't keep doing this and that was the last time last season that i actually created prom dresses was the season when I was there with you, um, I think that was in 2016, and I'm just like, oh, I'm done with this. This is this is not working for me. <laughs> I was like, this is not it at all. Uh, but I do appreciate, you know, you you being there and you know showing me little tricks of the trade. Like I feel like I have a good um, a good skill set because I have all like the little stuff that you've taught me, like from being like a self taught sewer, and then I have like the the school education, um, you know, and them showing us how to do these so called industry standard standards. Where I take a mixture of like the stuff that you taught me and the stuff I learned in school, and I've created like my own way of doing things so I do think that school is good but I do think that being self-taught is good and you just gotta find like your 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 niche like your equal medium where you, you know you do the things that you know set you apart you know as a sewer as a designer well anyway do you remember I made my dress for Paula's wedding yeah I do I remember the blue you made didn't you make mine too 
I made no. I just did some alterations on yours. Okay. I made one for Kamisha. Okay. Because I, all of us had long dresses, and she didn't have a long dress, and she felt out of place not having a long dress. So I made her a little long dress, and I think that's the only time she ever wore a long dress. My sister, she well, yeah. I'm trying to think of another time when she wore a long dress at her wedding. She wore a long dress at her wedding. <laughs> at her wedding, but you talking about a yeah. wedding? Where she was the flower girl, right? Yeah, she was. You were a flower girl. She wasn't part of the wedding. Oh, uh, okay. I'm like, so that was the last time Misha wore a long dress. That's hilarious. No, she told me she wanted a long dress. She wanted like a so gown. I, yeah. Okay. So I went, got a pattern, and made her a dress. That's what's up. That's what's up. And Paula asked for the dress, mm-hmm. so I I still got the pattern for it. But after all these years, you still have it. After all these years, I still have the pattern. That's what's up. I know you keep and collect good stuff around you, so I know you got a lot of things that you've had for so many years. Well, I ke- I kept all of her wedding stuff too, mm-hmm. and after I found out she lost everything. I sent all the stuff I had, including the necklace, the bracelet, and the earrings that I had for her. I was her matron of honor. Mm-hmm. I gave all that back to her, too. That's cool. Along with uh, her invitation. Oh, you gave her and everything with, back. Yeah, I gave her everything so she would at least have something to say I had a wedding. Right. Makes sense. Well, Granny, I really appreciate you doing this for me today. It was really good speaking to you about like your background and like you growing up and how you learned. And I'm glad that I got a chance to shine some light on you <laughs> for sure. You are definitely the reason why I do what I do. And I would just want to make sure that I'm always paying homage to you, you know, for giving what do me this I always ask you? What do you always ask me? Uh huh. What are we doing this weekend? Uh-uh. Are you happy? <laughs> Am I happy? Yeah, I'm happy. I'm there. I now. always ask you, are you happy? Because mm-hmm. that's ask what me I'm what am I doing you. too? Because you say that you know me, I'm living your life. So I'm just like, which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're happy. I'm You're happy. doing all the things that I couldn't do because I had other things that held me back. You're absolutely right. And I'm glad that, you know, I've always had you as that, you know, shoulder to lean on. And when I've been through things and a lot of this stuff, I'm actually going to put like just like my life and, you know, your influence on me and the different things that I went through that like you also went through as well. I'm going to put it like in the book, too. Um, I really want people to understand like the, the journey, I guess, that it's been, you know, and all the people that really impacted my life on the journey. And of course, you are. One of my number one or one people who have impacted my life when it comes to, you know, my skill and my learning and my education. And, you know, that's why you that you why that see in that V is on the front of them bags and everything that I do. So those are launching soon. So that way, yeah, I know you tell me you always tell me that you never had anything with your name on it. But, you know, you will have a whole lot. Well, of you, you said around. you were going to embroidery my name on something. So I'll have it. I can't find it anywhere. 
I got one of those strange names. I absolutely will. Berta. That is not a strange name. It's a different name. I can never find it my name. It's definitely it's different. I've not met another one. Yeah, I'm like, and Lene- I can, can never find Lenise anywhere either, especially the way it's spelled. Like, the way my name is spelled, the way your name is spelled, like, it's very difficult for us to find things and, you know, customize for us. So, I'm definitely <laughs> going to break the mold with that and make sure that our names are everywhere, Granny. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, I love you so much. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I love you too, and you have a great day. You too, Granny. I'll talk to you later. All right. Okay. As I always say, stay black. Peace out. Okay. Love you. Love you too. <laughs>